podcast, all things sports and debate. I'm Ace. And I'm Swish. And today, we have an NBA-centric episode. We'll be discussing an exciting All-Star weekend and how the NBA buyout market is shaping up leading to March 1st. Let's start with a recap on the All-Star weekend. Well, the celebrity game to start off was what you would expect, a celebrity game. Bunch of famous people trying to live out their glory days, acting like they can play basketball. My main takeaway from that game is that DK Metcalf, that guy's an insane athlete. However, the Rising Stars format is something that I do like about the Friday portion of NBA All-Star Weekend. It allows the league to showcase their G-League talent. Having the players mic'd up while they were playing was an awesome feature that I'd also like to see in actual NBA games. And Jose Alvarado got an opportunity to re- really showcase his talents in this game, winning MVP honors. Swish, please stop talking about the Friday portion of the NBA All-Star Weekend. We know what the listeners really want to hear about. The Saturday portion. Well, at least some of it. The skills challenge was just garbage. It was so unskillful. The rookies and aunts de Kumbos just can't shoot. That's their biggest weakness. So the hometown team, Team Jazz, wins once again. Three-point contest was predictable. Everybody knew it was Dame time. Man, I wish we had a TikTok noise on Anchor. Swish, you better edit that into the podcast. Or else. Anyway, Dame dominated the three-point contest in his Weber State jersey and finally got his trophy so that he could retire. Then, there's the dunk contest. The worst part of the evening, right? That is, until Matt McClung, a G-leaguer of all people, 6'2", 185 pounds, and that's generous, saved the NBA dunk contest. And he got a shoe deal with Puma. I was hoping that seeing Mac perform 360s, turns, touching the backboard, jumping over grown men, would inspire John Morant and Anthony Edwards to participate in the dunk contest, but it looks like that's still happening. Man, just do it for the fans. Load management has corrupted the NBA. Let's move on to the final game, where the excellent, wonderful, utopian, incredible Jason Tatum dominated. He set the all-star game scoring record and won MVP while showcasing the Jordan JT1, which I am definitely eager to get. Swish, what are your thoughts on this all-star game? Well, the game, as expected, showcased a lot of dunks, threes, and minimal defense. There's no doubt that the most exciting part of the game was Tatum and Jalen Brown battling it out in a one-on-one contest. Which Brown won for the record. Wong. Anyway, I think the All-Star game may need to be revamped since there were only 4.59 million viewers, a drastic drop from the previous year. They might try to emulate the NFL changing the Pro Bowl, and I'm curious to hear any of the listeners' ideas. All right, let's move on to how the buyout market is shaping up so far. Several signings have been made to improve several contending teams' rosters ahead of the deadline. These have included 
the Clippers getting Russell Westbrook, and the Heat getting Kevin Love. Let's start with the Westbrook signing. Since the Heat, your team, Swish, never deserved to be mentioned first. Swish, what are your thoughts on this intriguing signing? Ace, I think the Clippers got a little desperate and had little leverage in his signing. It was made clear before the trade deadline that Kawhi Leonard wanted a point guard, and he didn't get one. Mike Conley went to the Timberwolves, and Russell went to the Lakers, and Fred Van Vliet stayed put in Toronto. Right after the trade deadline, Paul George and Marcus Morris started to recruit Russ, which brought pressure to the Clippers' front office. This coupled with the fact that the Clippers traded away their two point guards in Reggie Jackson and John Wall at the deadline, and they were probably very desperate to get a point guard to satisfy Coach Tyler. Russell Westbrook, with his penchant for triple doubles, was at the top of the list. With all the leverage that Russ had, rumors suggested he wanted to start. And NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski said the Clippers and Russ discussed a specific role for him. So at the very least, I'm expecting Russ to be a sixth man. I do think that Russ can have a successful tenure with the Clippers. They have greater flexibility, well, better spacing lineups for Russ to operate and be the primary creator, using a look of Marcus Morris or Robert Covington at the 5-1 Russ's on the floor. He's played with Paul George before. Leonard, he's one of the most efficient scorers in the NBA and likely won't take away from Russ's abilities too much. With the Lakers, Russ was never truly unlocked on a team that was devoid of shooting. In this system, however, he can maximize the Clippers' transition offense, play a John Wall role. They can hide him on defense. I'm more optimistic about this fit than I originally thought, Ace. I don't even know why we're talking about this wish. Russell will barely add to their roster, man. He's a turnover machine. What they need to beat the Suns is another star player like Kyrie. Man, the Clippers are already a championship contender with two superstars. As long as they stay healthy, Kawhi and PG are as good as any duo in the league. And they have a ton of role players that can jump into the role of that third star you just mentioned. Norman Powell, Marcus Morris, and now Russell West are capable of this play. Cooper's depth is almost unrivaled across the entire league. And I think Russ is going to fit in based on the reasons I just mentioned in that long paragraph. Russ can't shoot. He's too ball-dominant and is going to take away from Kawhi and PG's star caliber play. Yeah, but that doesn't mean they can't slide him into reserve lineups and make him the primary creator. I'm visioning Highland, Gordon, Powell, Morris, Covington, George, Kawhi, Terrence Mann, all guys that can shoot around him so his skill set is maximized. Let's move on to the next buyout signing. Kevin Love to the Heat after being bought out from the Cavs, who planned to retire his number. Love, who also had serious talks with the 76ers, decided to sign with the Heat, who also signed Cody Zeller. I think the listeners know how I feel about this. But what do you think, Swish? Well, personally, I'm pretty excited to add two new fresh faces to the team. It gives the Heat a sort of positive injection to have new players on the roster, especially Love who's won a title. Lovegas is a much-needed forward. He's definitely going to need a few games to get into rhythm since he's been at the end of the Cavs' rotation for a while. 
But the optimal version of Love is a big power forward who has to our defensive rebounding, can space the floor for Jimmy and Bam adequately, and has enough positional size to survive defensively. We desperately need his flexibility as a potential starting four who can help us with his size to guard teams like the Bucks, or as a small ball five who gives us more shooting when Bam's off the floor. Zeller is also a super under-the-radar signing that I think some people are undervaluing. He goes to the backup center, which we are desperate to have. We shipped off Dwayne Demon to the Spurs for nothing because he had an embarrassing incident with massage guns and played terribly when he was in the lineup. Anyway, Orlando Robinson, he's a rookie. He's someone who I like, but he's not used to the physicality of the NBA game. It's just the start of February. He'd have been outscored by 16 points per 100 possessions when O'Rob is on the floor. That's just not going to work as the backup center in the playoffs. But Zeller, he's a proven veteran. And if he's healthy, he'll go to size in our second unit, rebounding, rim protection, toughness, and physicality. He's someone that just knows his role. Top to bottom, I think we now have more of a balanced roster thanks to the size we've had. We tried to play small ball this entire season, and it just hasn't worked. But we've added Love and Zeller, and I believe it's going to boost our roster. Dude, Love and Zeller are both washed. They won't help your team at this stage in their careers. Look, man, I'm not saying that we're championship contenders overnight and we can beat the Bucks and Celtics in a seven-game series. We still have some work to do. And these acquisitions, if I'm being realistic, probably aren't going to be enough to win a title this year. But I think we're primed to make some noise this postseason. Even if they do help with the size, as you say, Love has regressed. He can't do much at all defensively in this stage of his career. Alright, fair enough, Ace. But I do think that Love and Zeller, again, improve our roster in size. Size is the key word. And that allows us to employ both small ball and bully ball lineups in the postseason. At the moment, we got a pretty nice 10-man rotation primed for the playoff. Another agree to disagree. Let's just move on to... Wait, before we move on, I'll mention this. The aforementioned Deadman, who was just a disaster with our roster, signed with the 76ers for the rest of the season. Man, 76ers, they were so desperate to sign a backup big that they signed Deadman, of all people. Even my man Paul Reed, B-Ball Paul, would have provided more value than Deadman. Or they could have signed Tony Bradley, who's shown some capability as a backup center. Dude, just stop. Don't interrupt me on this podcast. My podcast. Let's move on to another high-profile signing. Reggie Jackson to the... Wow, wait, this time looks like a squat we have going on here. The only time goes to the Clippers, while Reggie Jackson joins the Nuggets. This move makes the Nuggets shipping off bones from the two second-round picks look a lot better, as Jackson can provide the same level of six-man scoring and carry on some usage in their second unit. Still, when you consider age, they got an older version of Highland. Yes, Wish. I think Jackson wanted to prove he's better than Highland. The only reason he got replaced was because he just didn't drop a follow on the podcast. Anyway, another veteran point guard that was shipped off to a rebuilding team was Patrick Beverly. 
Bagley was traded to the Magic for Mo Bamba. Then, he was bought out and signed with your boring Chicago Bulls. <laughs> what do you think of this intriguing acquisition? I mean, Ace, it doesn't help the Bulls much at all in the long term. They're still pretty stuck in terms of team direction at the moment. Pat Beverly, in theory, provides some of the defensive production the Bulls lost with Lonzo Ball this year. Although they still technically have Alex Caruso, but, you know. Pat has regressed defensively this year, which really drops his value. I guess he might reunite the Bulls, best-case scenario, with some of his energy and attitude. But I don't know. I'm not sure I'm necessarily loving this. I really wanted the Bulls to get Russell Westbrook, even though he isn't the good Russell. He wouldn't rejuvenate the team with their playmaking. Yeah, he's just like he would with the Clippers. Nah, not the Clippers. Just with the Bulls, who need somebody. I guess that's the reason why they signed Beverly. Finally, let's cover two other high-profile signings. Danny Green to Cleveland and Terrence Ross to the Suns. Swish, give your quick thoughts into these signings. I think Green provides some utility as a 3-and-D guy and a veteran who can replace Kevin Love in terms of locker room role. It all depends on his health, though, coming off that torn ACL. On the other hand, Ross adds even more scoring to that Suns lineup, and I think he could be one of the first guys off the bench for them. I'm not sure it's what the Suns necessarily need for their roster, but nonetheless, it's still a solid addition. Alright, let's wrap up this podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy. Make sure to drop a follow, or else.